welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. Happy, merry Christmas Eve. I'm going to keep this really short and sweet this week uh, so that we can all spend as much time with our families as possible for the holidays. And I know maybe you're in the car and you're like, I got 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to listen to the show, whatever. Maybe you're catching up um, after the weekend and after the holidays. That's great. So I'm going to try to bring us up to speed on two things and then I'll let you go to continue on with your festivities and celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus So the very first thing, the Senate voted 70 to 25 to advance a $1.7 trillion, 4,000-page omnibus spending bill. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of things in here. When, of course, it's passed the Senate, if the thing goes all the way through, then we'll we'll dive into more details in it uh, at at that point or as it progresses. But just a few things, $45 billion of that is going to go to Ukraine. $7.5 million is going to LGBTQ programs. Uh, you've got funding for January 6th prosecution uh, and for the January 6th detainees. You've got 7,500 special interest earmarks. You have money going to the border, but it has been specific specifically delegated to not go to border security. So you've got, uh, I, I forget what the actual number was, I have it written down, but I didn't want to dive into all of those specific numbers this week because I want to keep things short and sweet for everybody. We'll do that another time uh, if, if the need arises, if it continues to go through, which I have no doubt that it will. And, you know, as I was looking at researching on this thing, everybody was like, you know, the Schumer-Pelosi omnibus spending bill. Come on, guys, don't give me that. Don't give me that. Don't hang it on Schumer-Pelosi. It's every single one. Of, you know what? As a matter of fact, let's just hang it on the next of the 20 Republicans. Uh, you know, Graham voted for this thing. Tom Cotton voted for this thing. Of course, Murkowski and all the, you know, the the usual suspects, Romney, they voted for it. This thing is a travesty and it really hangs on their necks, okay, that this thing went through with the just the outrageous spending. And here's the thing, you know, I don't really care if this, it doesn't matter you know, we want to talk about, well, people need to know all the bad things in it so that they know to call their their senators, their congressmen and women, and, you know, let them know that we don't want this thing to pass. Those things really don't matter. All of the, I mean, there are really, 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 really terrible things that are in this that we're funding that we have no business sending our money to, okay? But the bottom line for me is that good or bad, the things that we're funding, even if they are good, we don't have the money for it. The United States of America does not have $1.7 trillion to spend like this. Even if all of them were for buying Christmas trees for children in Africa. Even if every single one of those dollars was for something good. I mean, I would just say, well, that's great that they want to do that, but we do not have, I'm sorry, we don't have the money. We just don't have the money. But yet, so 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 talking about the good and the bad that's in the bill is a little bit unnecessary to me when the reality is, bottom line, we don't have the money. We're spending our grandchildren's grandchildren's money. 
because we're so selfish and we're just like, well, we just got to keep things running right now for us because we don't want things to be difficult for us. And, you know, as I say, I'll I'll wrap up this conversation because I don't want to get too deep into uh, all of this. But I say this all the time. Who needs Democrats when we have Republicans like this? And like I said, good old Graham voted in favor of it. And along with a lot of the usual suspects. All right. The other topic that I wanted to cover this week is the Twitter files. And I want to bring us all up to speed on Twitter files six, seven and eight. So uh, we'll do that right after the break. This is Bob, the producer of The Hannah Miller Show. I just want to take this time to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And thank you for supporting the podcast in whatever amount you do. Hannah puts in a lot of time and effort to bring you the information you rely on every week. And your support keeps that podcast coming. So thank you again, and Merry Christmas to you all. All right, so... File 6 revealed that Twitter shut down accounts and deleted tweets on orders from the FBI. And then File 7 revealed earlier this week that Twitter took $3.4 million from the FBI as compensation. And this is this was what they are this is why they said that they took it as compensation for its cost to process the FBI's content moderation requests. So the argument that they made was that the FBI had so many content moderation requests that they took money to offset the cost of all of that processing, all of the work that they had to do. So it wasn't a, hey, you know, they don't want to just admit that the FBI paid them, you know, paid them off to do their bidding. They said, no, 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 we, we, we just, it was just so much work, so they, they, I mean, I don't, I don't, I guess they think that that sounds better, but it really doesn't. (laughs) But uh, furthermore, Twitter employed more than a few former agents. One of them was James Baker. This guy just keeps popping up everywhere. And he's the former FBI general counsel whom Elon Musk fired because he helped suppress the laptop story. Baker, of course, was involved in the Clinton campaign's Russia collusion hoax in 2016. He was on the receiving end of Clinton cut out Michael Sussman's collusion lies. So he's on the receiving end of that. Twitter's payroll included so many former agents that they had their own Slack channel for messaging. And furthermore, in in July 2020, this is an exact quote from uh, Tybee, the FBI's Elvis Chan arranges for temporary top secret security clearances for Twitter executives so that the FBI can share information about threats to the upcoming elections. They shared top secret information. This, this, this could very well be a national security concern. And they could come up on charges of jeopardizing national security, in my opinion. Tybee's revelations, which come from the files that platform chieftain uh, Elon Musk released, clearly show They clearly show that the FBI and DHS used Twitter for censorship. Okay, we all we all we all knew that, but these all very clearly show it. And again, those might well trespass the First Amendment's free speech protections. We've talked about that in a previous episode. Again, Twitter can censor whoever they want, but it it in my opinion violates the first if it acted as an agent of the federal government to censor Americans. And that's becoming increasingly clear that not only did they act as an arm of the, of the federal government, they were paid by the federal government in order to do so. 
So the Heritage Foundation's Hans von Spakovsky, he told Fox News, he said this, The First Amendment applies to the government and prohibits censorship by government agencies and entities, not private actors. We've talked about that. He continued, though, however, when a private company is censoring information based on direction, coordination, and cooperation, you see those three things, direction, coordination, and cooperation with the government, then legally it may be considered to be acting as an agent from the government, and it may be found to be violating the First Amendment. And the fact that we now know that they were not only censoring speech based upon direction from the federal government, that they were being paid to do it, that is certainly not going to help their defense in the court of law, okay? Finally, in file eight, we discover Twitter also helped the U.S. Defense Department. How so, you ask? An official, quote, sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language, language accounts we used to amplify certain messages and wanted priority service for six accounts, verification for one, and whitelist, I'm putting air quotes around that, abilities for the others. And that's from journalist Lee Fang. He then continued, the same day CENTCOM sent the list, Twitter officials used a tool to grant a special, quote, whitelist, end quote, tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they are exempt from spam, abuse flags, more visible or likely to trend on hashtags. This is basically was a get out of jail free card <laughs> for uh, for for those who got the special whitelist tag. And then the CENTCOM accounts on the list tweeted frequently about U.S. military priorities in the Middle East, including promoting anti-Iran messages, promotion of the Saudi Arabia U.S. backed war in Yemen, and and I'm putting air quotes around this accurate. U.S. drone strikes that claimed to only hit terrorists. So, Twitter was a subsidiary of the FBI, was paid by the FBI for their censorship, had their payroll packed by former FBI, and finally, Twitter Files 8 reveals that Twitter worked along the Defense Department to manage its propaganda regarding their warfare operations. This does not instill a lot of confidence in an organization that's already been on rocky ground for almost its entire existence. Remember, the FBI is unconstitutional. I talked more about this at length in my podcast on October 8th, so if you'd like to hear more about that, I encourage you to go find that podcast uh, on October 8th of this year. But the Constitution, it does not assign this responsibility to the federal government. And by this responsibility, I mean intelligence gathering and law enforcement. Those things actually, that means those things fall under Amendment 10, which states the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Therefore, since intelligence gathering and law enforcement are not prohibited from the states or the people within the Constitution, that means... The responsibilities held by the FBI fall under the purview of the states and the American people. So, the FBI should be completely disbanded. It's an unconstitutional agency with a very checkered history. And as Joe Wolverton, who is who I quoted in when I've talked about him, when I've talked about this very issue before, he's an expert on this. As he said, and James Madison feared, it is a persistent threat 
to freedom. And that has never been more true and it becomes more and more obvious every day. Every day. So if you and if you you think I'm kind of crazy for saying that, then go listen to my episode on October 8th. I went into more detail, gave some more examples, talked a little bit more at length on that. And of course, but most folks, you don't really have to because you're looking around and you're knowing you're seeing what's going on. And not only that, you have the story from Tucker Carlson that came out this week about the CIA and JFK, the assassination of JFK. And there's long been questions about what happened with JFK and his assassination and whether the, the government was involved in that or how that actually just happened. Lots of questions there. And so it's just, you know, I, I don't know how all the cards are going to fall in that story. With between Tucker Carlson and this uh, person who has seen the files from the CIA that, by the way, they have illegally withheld from the public because they were supposed to release these files to the public and they did not release all of them. So anyway, how these agencies, CIA, FBI, so many of them, which again, we're funding even, we're sending them even more money in this omnibus to come full circle. The spending bill that they've passed is sending them millions of dollars. And one of those things that is supposed to go towards is researching the domestic radicalism phenomenon. Do you know what that means? That's another that's another way of them saying we need to understand why there are domestic terrorists, where these guys are coming from in the United States. And do you know who they're talking about when they say domestic terrorists? Yeah, that's you and me. That's the parents who oppose critical race theory, who oppose the LGBTQ agenda in the in the public schools. Remember, that's what they called us. When we oppose those things, we were domestic terrorists. And so when they use that phrase, we're going to send millions of dollars to the FBI so that they can investigate the domestic radicalism phenomenon. They're talking about you and I. And that doesn't do a lot to reassure me either. So I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I know a lot of this is just... It's, it's It seems like we're heading into the Christmas season. It's Christmas Eve, and it's so hard to um, deal with all of this. But I would just encourage you to set all of this aside. Set all of the politics aside and know that there's a lot of things happening in the world. There's a lot of countries that are in even worse situations, way worse situations than you and I are in. We have a lot to be grateful for this Christmas season. We have a lot to give thanks for this Christmas season here in the United States. Uh, But most importantly, we can be thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ was born in a manger. And he came that we may have life and that we may have eternal life through him and have relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's no matter how bad and dire things get, we can be thankful for that. And so I encourage you this Christmas Eve and this Christmas to go and celebrate that and set all the other things aside. Leave them in the hands of a good and sovereign God and celebrate the birth of Jesus. You have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com. 